Thank you so much for joining us today. God wants to use people like you to help build his kingdom. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to serve in the local church. If you want to get involved with College Park Church, visit collegeparkchurch.org and click on Get Involved. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org to choose the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. With all the mission work we do, all the ministry work we do at the size that we are at right now, and it will continue to grow as souls are continually being added to the kingdom, we are graced where God has positioned us in the time that we are in. And because of that, we've started a new series called What Is? Someone shout, What Is? There's been so many new people, and there have been people who are, who are older in the faith here, but probably have lost maybe the meanings of certain things of why they do what they do. We talked about what is strength, what is real life. Last week, we talked about what is grace. But today, this morning, I want to talk about something so fundamental but it's so essential to the foundation of anyone who is going to be a believer or a son or daughter in Christ, and that is what is faith. Someone shout faith. I say this because I gave my life to the Lord at the age of 19. I am now 35. How I believe then has shifted to how I believe now. My faith, or at least how I defined faith at the age of 19, is no longer how I define faith at the age of 35. Anybody know that to be true in your walk with the Lord? Anybody? Can I just be honest and real with you when it came to the idea of faith? When I grew up, I thought that faith was, you know, if you believed a lot, then God would do what you want. And that when I would pray or things wouldn't happen the way I want, I guess I didn't have a lot of faith. That there was some type of disconnect and me connecting with God, that answers would not, my, my faith depended on the amount of faith determined what I got or what I didn't get in life. But I've, as I've grown up in the Lord, as I've had a relationship with God where it's not a religion, but it's a personal relationship, and as I go through his word and read, and read his instructions, I found out that faith isn't believing for what we want. It's believing he is everything we need. Because if you go your entire life with this false idea that faith is just getting what I want and doing, see, because here's the, here's the case. I remember when I was seven, not seven, I was 12 years old, 12 years old, and someone gave my family a purebred pug. And I remember my, pure pre, my purebred pug was dying. Say that 10 times fast, right? And with, a, with an aging wisp, you know what I mean? <laughs> I remember when my pug was dying, I remember going outside praying, God, save him, save him. God, I believe. Anybody ever done that or seen your kids to do that? I believe you are true. I believe you're powerful. And you can raise him. You can heal him. And guess what? The next day he died. I remember when my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I remember as clear as day. It was my, grandma, my grandfather and my grandmother is the reason why I'm even in the church today that changed my entire generation of the Wagnon's life. And I remember when he felt a, a strong guy, retired from the U.S. Air Force, uh, flew the B-52 bombers in the wars. I, I, I remember him being the most strong guy, the most courageous guy. And one day at his house in Sweetbriar, he was cleaning up the gutters on a ladder, fell off a ladder, hit his head, went to the doctor, and that triggered Alzheimer's in his life. 
I remember watching my dad and my Uncle Donnie go there and have to bathe him, have to pick him, have to clothe him, and watching what used to be the strongest guy in my life, the manliest man in my life, turn into a, a baby. They had to put a diaper on him, finding him outside, just wandering like a little baby because he's losing his mind. And I was, as a little kid, because I had, a, I had a, a warped view of faith, thought, God, what is going on? I remember my faith being here, and because of trials and tribulations, my faith turned here. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And so what ends up happening what ended up happening in my life, I found my faith to be decreased. I found my walk with the Lord diminishing. I found my joy in him just fading away. And I found, you know what? What good is it anymore? What good is this faith? Because I grew up thinking that faith gets you what you want. I thought when I, I lay hands on the sick, they should recover. I thought when I have it, this, this, whatever's going on in my body, asthma, and I pray, why am I not getting healed? And, and, and the more I stuck in the faith, I would find people that I knew to have greater faith. I mean, mountain-moving faith. I had molehill faith, right? And as they started praying for people, they didn't get healed either. When they would pray for others, they would die as well. And I would say to myself, well, I know that person has faith. I know that person is in love with the Lord. I know that person is in love with Jesus. I know they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But, so where is the disconnect? Because faith isn't getting what you want. Faith is believing that God is everything that you need in every season that you're in. And isn't that the hard part in, in life? When you are going through trials and tribulations, when you're like Paul, in the bottom of a ship, tied and chained, God is for me? When you're Peter, James, or John in a prison because you're preaching the gospel message, and now people are peeing on you, people are throwing poop on you from the animals, being able to write letters, to be able to write the New Testament, God is with me? It lets me know, it gives me insight that faith isn't about getting what I want. It's not about making my bank account full. It's not about making everybody perfect. It's not about just making me get the biggest house and the nicest cars. Because my, I remember my mom. I remember my mom. She, she still lives in the same house she lived in when we, my sisters grew up. And me and my sisters both, all three, lived in the same room. Still live in the same house. I, I know this to be true, that she had dreams and she had Prayer requests God for a, a nicer car. I know she had dreams. I know she had prayer requests, God, we want a bigger house. But in the midst of her not getting that, she didn't just say, I quit, forget it all. In the midst of her prayer request not being answered, she allowed her life to be the platform or the foundation for the people to come on there that would be built in her family, in her life, and, 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 and able to go further than where she was able to come from. How many of you want your kids to have a greater life than you? I mean, I see it all the time. I hear it all the time. Not, and I understand some kids haven't 
had the experience from their mother or their father, but when it comes to our father, he wants nothing more than the best. Amen. Faith is not supposed to be a crutch in crisis. It's our foundation for living. That no matter what storm we go through, no matter what pain that we feel inside, no matter what health problems come across us, that he, like David eloquently penned in Psalms 46.1, he is our ever-present help in time of trouble. He is our ever-present help in time of need. That God is there no matter what is going on. He is faithful to be there through the storm. Hebrews 11, chapter 1, the New Living Translation, or Hebrews 11, chapter 1, the message version. Hebrews 11, chapter 1, the message version says this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. What is it saying? It's our firm foundation. What is it saying that our firm foundation is found in trusting in him? What is it saying that it's our handle? It is that it is our grip. It is the thing that we cling to. It is the thing that we hold on to no matter what we go through in life. That is faith. It's not getting what you want. It's not just getting a brand new car or getting a bigger house. It's not about just God, heal me from my asthma. It's like, no, I want to be your peace in troubled waters. I want to be the love where when everybody leaves your life and you feel like you are alone. I want to be able to be the thing that gives you joy more than anything or anyone on earth. I want to be the center of your life. And faith is that firm foundation that clings to making him that in your life. But if we allow faith to be about things, if we allow faith to be about things, we'll never experience the faith-filled life that he died for, in order to, where he gave his life in order to exchange it for our life. Hebrews 11, 1 in the New Living tr- Translation, I love this one. Faith is the confidence. Someone shout confidence. Faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. In other words, it's hope for. Hope for the things you don't have in your life. Hope for the things you can't see in your life. Hope for the things that you don't know where to go in your life. It is the hope. It is the essence to keep your whole entire mind, your heart, and your emotions together. Someone shall have faith. That is what faith is. Faith is hope. And without hope, there is no faith because there is no trust. Culture says, when I see it, I'll believe it. Faith says, I might not see it, but I believe it. I don't know. I know my kids are acting a little crazy right now, but I raised them up in the waves of the Lord. And they are going to come. It may not be now, but it may be someday down the road. But I believe that God's word is faithful. Amen. See, I, I mean, I, the Bible says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. I don't feel it right now. I don't see this mountain moving. I don't see this problem changing, but I'm going to enter his gates, and I'm going to be grateful. I'm not going to be an ungrateful brat. I'm not going to be an ungrateful child, but I'm going to let him know that I am thankful, and I am grateful because I have faith. I can be thankful through every storm. I can trust him. I hold on to this firm grip. 
that he is with me through it all. Can somebody shout amen? The problem is, though, in order to have faith, he has to be in control. Because you don't need faith when you're in control. How do I know somebody is living for God when they have faith? Because faith shows me that they have given control over to someone else. But when somebody is making every decision for their life, when somebody is trying to tell everybody every decision of their life, when somebody is trying to live other people's lives, you can't have faith when you're in control. Faith is trusting Settling your mind on this thought, God, you are the only source of life. And I trust you that no matter if my finances look the way they do, no matter if my family is going through all the craziness it's going through, no matter what my mind is telling itself over and over again, you are going to see. I cling to this hope. I might not see it, but I cling to you. I might not be there, but I cling to you. I don't know where, but I cling to you because that is faith. I don't care what I get in life. I don't care if this doesn't change. I'm like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I have so much faith that I can say and declare over all these people, my God is able to deliver me. But even if he doesn't, I cling to him. I trust him. He is my God. Why? He's faithful. He's faithful. Faith is the gap filler. It's what fills in the gap when your education doesn't meet your position in life. I'm a second senior high school graduate. My education doesn't, doesn't meet up my, with my position, but faith is the gap filler of it all. I don't know how. I had somebody just recently talk to me, Pastor Mark, I wish I knew as much as you. I'm like, man, are you kidding me? I feel like I know nothing. I feel like I, there's a whole lot more I need to learn, which I, there is. Because here's the thing, I didn't get here overnight. When I gave my life to the Lord at the age of 19, God didn't just bless me with all this heavenly knowledge. God didn't bless me with all this heavenly information. No, it was one step of faith. It was one step of faith. It was another step of faith. Continuing on to now I am 35, living faithfully. That's why I know more than I knew then, because I remain faithful, because he has been faithful. He's been faithful. I was just talking to somebody just recently, this old man. This guy knows how to build houses, knows how to take care of a car, knows how to break it all down, knows how to work on an airplane. And this guy's like, man, I wish I knew all he, I wish I knew all he knew. Yeah, live as long as him and you will too if you put your hand to the plow and work. Stop being lazy, you bum. <laughs> it was one of my friends. I can talk to him like that when we have a relationship, right? If you can just have faith enough, you'd be surprised what God can do with such a little. You'd be surprised how many people that God can feed with just your little bit of fish and your little bit of loaves of bread. Man, you'll be surprised what God can do with your messed up past and take somebody who was a murderer and turn you into like a Paul who writes two-thirds of the New Testament. You'll be surprised what God can do with an alcoholic like Noah. You'll be surprised what God can do with a depressed prophet like Jeremiah. You'll be surprised what God can do with an unnamed person like Esther. You'll be surprised what God can do with nothing. He can take your mess and he can take his greatness and make something amazing out of it. That's what my God does. 
but he now looks to you to be able to take your natural, connect it to his super, and make it supernatural. It's up to you to connect with him. It's up to you to release and have faith and trust that God knows what he's doing. How does God know what he's doing with nails in my hand? How does God know what he's doing with two of the greatest disciples of all time, Paul and Ananias, in the bottom of a cell? How does God know what he's doing? Because he knew that 2,000 years later, Mark would be in a dark pit in his mind. Mark would be in a dark pit in his heart, and he could sing a, a hymn, and he could sing a song. And just like it was with Paul and Silas, that the prison doors of my depression, the prison doors of my anxiety, the prison doors of my helplessness would open up, and God would come through like a mighty Russian wind and heal my broken heart. Renew my broken soul. Why? Because that's what faith does. That's what faith is. It's not getting what you want. It's but believing he is everything we need. And that no matter if they pray for me, whether I get healed or I don't get healed, God has a purpose when I walk out this door with my testimony. That no matter if I get this job or if I don't get this job, God has a purpose that he's working this testimony. That no matter what happens in life, everything is working for him to get all glory, all honor. Not me. Not me. Oh, my gosh. I'm just, let me move on. We believe what we cannot see, which means God is moving on my behalf, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't think he's there. It's faith. All you desire is to have everything in your life patterned, patterned well. If all you look for in life when it comes to your faith is to be able to see everything organized well, you have no faith. Because real faith will get you through troubled waters like it was the disciples and they thought they were dying on a ship. We're all going to die, Jesus. The ship's going down. How can you sleep? Because he had peace. He had peace in the most unsettling of times, in the most unsettling of moments, thinking everyone is going to die. He had this peace that surpassed all understanding. Why? Because he had faith that God is everything I need. Has God everything you need this morning? You see, I, let me give you my definition of faith. I just gave it um, like sometime last month. Faith is calculated crazy. That's what I define faith as. Just calculated crazy. Don't make sense, man. Like, I look at the front row right now, and none of y'all should be in church right now. <laughs> the entire front. I look at the, and none of y'all should be in church. Y'all should be not be in church right now, man, with everything that y'all gone through. And your family, and your mind, but your faith has brought you to a place that has made you stronger than ever, that people see how can you go through what's happening to your son? How can you stand strong and worship God through all the stuff that you've been through? How can you be there? And he's been there for, three, I forget how many, five years now. How can you do it? Because you have faith. I don't have to see it. I don't have to see it. Because I have this hope no matter what I see, I believe that God is a faithful God, and he's going to turn this mess around. Amen. He's going to turn it around. I don't know how. I don't know when. But he's going to do it. He's going to do it. 
Although I don't know how you in church. I'll just be honest with you. I don't, I don't know. What was it? Last year you were on so many medications. This, I, I'm not telling a business. I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna prophesy over everybody and tell your business, all right? You know, you know, you can release those butt cheeks. Relax. It's okay. She's given this testimony before where she was on so much medication in order for the split personalities going on in her mind. She was at Marshall Pickens twice. And this is all prior to her husband dying, before her husband died. Then her husband passed away who loved the Lord and started giving his life, and his life changed. There is no way on God's green earth through the culture of this world that says, how can she have a right mind? But that's what faith does. Faith can take your mess and make greatness out of it. Faith can turn what's natural and make it supernatural. To now, she's over our care team at our church. I don't know how I forgot. I've lost count of the nursing homes. I've lost count of all the people that she goes to Monday and and Tuesday. I've lost count of all the people that have come and connected with her to go out all across Greenville, Easley, Pickens, Simpsonville, Malden, visiting shut-ins and go. I mean, that's what faith does. It's hope that my days that I'm living in today are going to be greater than they've ever been in the history of this world. And my life is going to create an impact for the next generation, raising the standard of what it really means to be committed to God and his kingdom. I don't believe it because I see it. I don't have to see it and not believe it. And I'm going to keep trucking. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep pushing on because God is going to do great and marvelous things. I look at Scott and Sonia, some of their stories. I'm not going to go into detail about it. But the stories that y'all have told me, things that have happened to your family, some of the conversations that we had personally, you shouldn't be in church. You shouldn't be live streaming on Mondays. You shouldn't be planning women's retreats. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be planning, you shouldn't be donating I don't know how many thousands of rounds for our men's. You shouldn't be doing that. But you have this faith, man, that has changed the life of other men to where they only had one conversation. Now they can have multiple conversations, and they have a reference point of relationship. Why? Because faith hopes for stuff. Faith hopes for the best. Faith hopes for the greater. Faith hopes for the supernatural. Faith hopes for great, great. Someone shout great. Great change to take place. That is faith. Regardless of what happens when I put my hands to the plow, it doesn't matter. I got faith that when I leave, if nothing happens now, it's going to happen later. I have faith that when I prophesy or when I pay for somebody's meal, well, I have faith that when I speak a word of wisdom at Molina's or at Chopsticks Restaurant, that God is going to turn this person's life around. I might not sit in the moment, but maybe a month, a year, a decade later, God is going to reap a harvest. What? I got faith for days. I got faith that nothing I do in life means nothing, but everything that I do in life is going to the advancement of the kingdom of God today. Everything I say, every tithe I give, every seed I sow, every word I speak, everywhere my feet touch, God's given us dominion because his word says it. Take it to the bank, have faith. He's going to turn everything around. 
He's going to take your mess and create the greatest of messages that this world has ever seen. Faith gets in the way and makes the way where there seems to be no way. That's what faith does. Eight years ago, how can uh, me and my wife, we still chuckle at it because we're looking at buying a new house now. But remember, eight years ago when we moved here, we were only making $1,000 a month. I think our rent was 800 bucks a month with a car payment. Now put that in your pipe and smoke it. Do the math. That don't make sense. How in the world were we able to live the way we live? How in the world were we able to survive? Because we had faith that God would provide. One minute, someone would put a check in our mailbox. One minute, somebody would put groceries on our doorstep. One minute, somebody says, I want to take you out to eat. Every step of the way, my God showed himself to be faithful. Because you know what I know moves God? Tears don't move God. Prayer, as far as just thousands of the world, doesn't move God. You know what moves God? Faith. You want to touch heaven? Faith. You want to reach heaven? Have faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says this. Every one of us has been given a measure of faith. Every one of us have a measure of faith. Now, you might say, Pastor Mark, you got a cup full of faith, and I only have a teaspoon of faith. Everyone has a measure of faith. But here's the thing that I, I've just been looking over in my life, just reflecting ever since um, last Saturday. It has given me so much gratefulness, that mission work that we did to that family. Like, how many of you ever been starving? Oh. Like, because this is America, you're not really starving. Like, you're like four hours not eating starving. You know what I mean? American. How many of you have at least been Americanized starving? Raise your hand. You've been American. <laughs> you know, starving is when you go like three days without food or something like that. Two days, three days. I digress. I remember, I remember, um, I remember those moments when I was starving. I'm um, growing up. My mom and dad would be at the flea market. Um, that's where they would be Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays in Charleston, South Carolina, over in the Ladson um, fairgrounds. I spent my pretty much my entire childhood there. I remember me and my sisters. We would be so hungry, right? We would open up the refrigerator, and there'll be stuff in there. But some of you know where I'm going. But we would say this: I have nothing to eat. Any of you ever done that? You go to the cupboard. You open the cupboard, there's, uh, there might be some, you know, beanie weenies or something or Vienna sausages, you know what I mean? <laughs> some salting crackers. And I would open, I'm like, I don't have anything to eat. And then I would go back to the living room. I would go sit or whatever. Um, um, I would go sit um, um, in the living room, watch TV. And then I would get up and then go to the refrigerator, open up like something supernaturally changed. You know, anybody done that? You know, I see some of you laughing on your heads. You go to the cabin. I got nothing to eat. When you have so much, that is your faith. You got so much faith when you open up the door of your life. You have so much faith when you open up the cabinets. But it's inactive. I remember one of the things my mom used to do. <laughs> I was just thinking, I wish my wife was here. I finally got a revelation of why I like gravy so much. Anybody who knows me really close, I love brown gravy, especially the clock. It looks like chocolate pudding. It's amazing. I found the reason, Pastor Chad, why I love it. My mom would always have, um, it's like once a week, mystery meat or a mystery meal, mystery meal. Essentially what a mystery meal was was all the leftovers combined to make something. Now, okay, 
If I was Southern, that would be amazing. That's like going to Bojangles and getting an egg bowl. If you're Asian, that's just weird. That's just weird. You know what I mean? You don't know what type of concoction you're going to get because Asians just throw all sorts of crazy shenanigans and seasonings in it. But one of the things my mom would always do, she would make the bangest brown gravy, boys. Woo! Thing was good. Shekinah glory, manna from heaven right there. But get an IV drip, hit me up, shoot me up right now, baby. In the midst of her putting all that stuff together, I thought it was one of the greatest meals. What I didn't know that she would take all the leftovers because she didn't have anything left over in order to make something fresh and new. She would take that mess and create something amazing out of it, slap some brown gravy on that bad boy, and me and my sisters will go to town. That's what God wants to do with some of your testimony. That's what God wants to do with your pain. That's what God wants to do with your history. That's what God wants to do with everything the enemy has tried to paint as God being against you, God hating you, God not being there for you. He wants to take it all and create the greatest meal that you can ever put in your mouth that will excite you, invigorate you, and implore you for his kingdom work. But you got to have faith. Someone shall have faith. As I close this morning, Matthew 17, verse 20 says this. Matthew 17, verse 20. Y'all have it? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved. And nothing will be impossible for you. Mustard seed, the smallest seed of all seeds, supposedly. I don't know. Never done the math yet. But in the midst of it, God says, you know what? What's killing you isn't your lack of faith. What's killing you is you just have unbelief. Because you can have the, idiot, itty, the most itty-bitty amount of faith, and you can change anything in your life. What's hurting you isn't your faith in God. What's hurting you is your belief in him. And how you believe. You think your faith is all about getting what you want. God, heal me. God, provide for me. And he will to a certain extent on his timing because he is sovereign. Hello? Is this mic on? He's sovereign. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. He deserves everything because he is God. Sometimes he'll heal people instantly. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes he'll provide financially. Sometimes he won't. Read Hebrews 11 all the way through. Or is it Hebrews 13, the chapter of faith, people of faith? 11. You'll read things like, by faith they crushed mountains, or they moved mountains. By faith they crushed giants. By faith they destroyed nations. By faith they did all these amazing things. By faith. People receive their dead back to life by faith. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what we desire? Isn't that what we want? What we want? But they didn't believe it or have faith in God in order to get what they want. They believe that God is everything they need wherever they are in life. Because if you read the second part of that chapter of that book in Hebrews 11, it says this, but others. But Someone shout, but others. But others didn't receive their dead raised back to life but others were sawed in half 
Others didn't get healed. Others didn't get delivered. Others lived in holes in the ground. Others lived as slaves. Others lived with sheepskin. Others weren't delivered financially. Others weren't delivered in their families. Others weren't. So when I read that, I get this inclination that faith really isn't getting what I want. I want to speak to somebody who's in troubled water right now. Faith is all about God being everything you need. And whether he heals your son or heals your body, or whether you feel like you're in a hole lonely all by yourself, I can have this peace that settles in my soul that God is with me. He might heal me on this side. He might heal me on the other side. See, I'm still, I'm still believe. I still have faith that one day I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, a, I'm gonna have six packs, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be ripped, be ripped like Denzel in his twenties. You know what I mean? Hello. Someone whistled at me. Was that a band? No, I'm just kidding. I, be, I believe. If not. On this side of heaven, or on this side of life, maybe on the next side, when I'm standing before God in my new heavenly clothed body with no trans fat or no excess of calories, glory to God, can some women and men say amen? No stretch marks and love handles. Whoo, glory to God. I have faith that God will either do it in this life or in the next. But no matter what I go through in, the, in this moment, I will not be shaken because of my faith. Share, I've used your testimony, I don't know how many times, y'all, about you and your son and so many people who have a quarter of your pain. But as, but it has shot a adrenaline in their bones to believe that God can turn their life around because of your testimony. Alvon, I don't know how many people I've used your testimony for. That people say, I just can't get my mind to wrap around things. I'm like, you don't, don't give me that excuse. Let me tell you about Miss Alvon, one of our spiritual mothers in this house. I love her to death. You have no clue what God can do. Scott and Sonia, I don't know how many people I've talked about y'all just here recently. I was just talking to somebody about y'all today. Today, this morning, about ministry. Two years, nine months ago, people asked me, what are your thoughts about men's and women's ministry? I was like, I have no clue. I have no clue. It's not that I don't want to. I just have no clue. I read scripture, and it says that Jesus looked at the crowd, and he saw the field. He was like, man, it's ripe. It's, it's ready for the taking. But he said this one thing. Pray to the Lord that he will send forth laborers. That's been my prayer. That's been what I've been clinging to, having faith. You're going to send forth people to do these things. You're going to send forth people with passion. You're going to send forth people for the care team. You're going to send forth people in our youth ministry. You're going to send forth people in our kids' ministry. You're going to send forth people in our guest services. You're going to send forth people for mission work that we're going to do. Um, starting July 17th, um, I haven't talked to the finance team. Don't get mad at me. My wife and I, are, uh, my wife and I, we're going to fund it. We're going to do this thing called Adopt a Block where we're adopting a government housing place and we're going to bring our grill and water balloons and everything to this government um, complex and we're just going to love them for three days on Father's Day. 
calling all fathers to come out. The family, the family that we went and put new furniture in, we're, 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 we were getting so busy. I think we only had, what, 10 minutes left till she was coming home. Y'all, it looked like a, a TV show. We only got five minutes. Like, it, that, it looked exactly like that, right? But in the moment of the busyness, there was, this, there was this moment where I see all these kids, 20, would you say 20 or 10, somewhere between 10 and 20 kids that were playing outside with the water balloons? I can't remember how many. They were playing with water balloons. There was his grandma there, two doors down from the house that we were at. I was like, man, how many of these kids are yours? She said, none of them. I was like, creep. I'm just kidding. She's laughing when I said that to her. I was like, why are you doing this? Out of curiosity, she None of their dads are in their life. I was like, how many kids are? Probably over 100 kids in this place. And they're just left here. So I bring water balloons, trying to get as much as I can, and tie them up. I was like, you know they have others. I know they're so expensive. I was like, God put this compassion in me. We're going to have faith to believe that this family, this apartment complex is going to be reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to adopt this. And we're going to adopt it people in our community. I have faith to believe that there are enough men who believe that God is enough. Someone asked, another leader, what's the schedule? I have no idea. It's going to be like a family reunion. We're just going to love them. We're going to throw water balloons at them, show them who's boss, and they're going to throw water balloons at us, and they're going to look like they're dumb. Because all I do is win, win, win no matter what, you know. I'm very competitive. I'm just kidding. We're going to love them back to life. We're going to have faith. We're going to have faith that this amount of love that we're going to do once a month, all year, all year long, I want us to adopt more places like this and do this, that it's going to count. We're not waiting for them to come to our church. We're going to bring the church to them. We're just going to love them. No stories, no sermons. We're just going to throw some music up, have a grill out, have our, like a family reunion, and we're just going to love them back to life. Is that okay? So July 17th, someone say July 17th. We're going to love them back to life. Look at that. I'm all emotional now. Because I've learned this in my life. Why are things not changing? I want them to change. Why is my body not changing? Why is my mind not changing? Why is my family not changing? Why are my finances not changing? Because inactive faith remains a seed. But faith activated becomes a harvest. And when you become a person of faith that is about the Father's business, God will take care of every one of your needs. God will take care of every issue in your life. Because you are his son, you are his daughter, you are his prized piece. And he's not going to allow any ungood thing to take care of you. But he is going to take care of every part of your life. Romans 10, 17, as I close this, as I close this up. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says this. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. How do I get faith? Isn't that the ultimate question this morning? 
How do I get the right faith? How do I get the smooth faith that's not crooked and leading me into the wrong direction? How do I get the right faith that fuels my life and other people's life? How do I get the right faith that will change everybody's life around me? Is when we hear the good news about Christ. Bring up the next version. There's another version that says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Have you ever had a moment where you came to church down, out, didn't really want to be here? And then Pastor Chad or Pastor Dylan or Pastor Blake, they start speaking the word of God to you? Maybe you're in a moment like that where you came in broke, busted, and disgusted. But there's something churning in your soul to where you feel like you can just win the world and storm hell with a water pistol and say, get thee behind me, Satan. I've had those moments where I was down and out, but as the word was being preached, I leaned in, and the word of God resonated in my soul. See, I could have rejected the word. I could have not had faith to what was being spoken. I could have just sat there, arms crossed, legs crossed, and just been dejected the entire time. But that small, itty-bitty measure of faith just to lead in to hear God changed my entire world around you don't get the word of God in you, you'll never have strong faith. If you don't allow the word of God to shape you, to be your, the filter in you of how you make your decisions, how you make your choices, you'll never have faith like Hebrews 11 where mountains are moved. Nations are destroyed. You'll never have the faith to where you get the worst report from the doctor. But to be able to have a peace throughout the storm. You'll never have it without faith and you'll never have faith without his word. Inactive faith is just a seed. But faith that is activated will bring a harvest. Matthew chapter 9 verses 2 through 7 says this. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing that their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Uh, duh, yes he does. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? They weren't speaking this evil. Just like a lot of southern church people don't do that either. But they're thinking in their heart. It's, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And verse 7 says, so the man jumped up and went home. I know my mom believed for things she wanted but never got them. She believed for a car. She believed for a house. She believed for other things to happen in our family, in our family tree. I mean, I get it. <laughs> for some of us, we just get tired of believing so long. We get tired of trusting down this long path that it becomes frustrating 
tired. And so we just stop. And it's easy to think, if I don't get what I want, you're going to go with lack. Because God didn't respond the way you wanted, you stop believing for other people. If he doesn't do it for me, I don't care if he does it for them. Can we just be honest? You might have never said that out loud, but you have thought it and acted it in your heart. Isn't that the issue that Jesus is speaking to them or the word of God is speaking to us today? Jesus saw these Christians then and he sees you Christians, people of faith and people of unfaith today. I see your heart. I see your heart. And your thoughts are evil. Your thoughts are wrong. Your thoughts are warped. Faith isn't about getting what you want. But like Jesus on a cross who can have a peace that surpasses all understanding to say forgive them for what they did to me. Faith is all about God being everything you need. And I just want to speak to that troubled man, to that troubled woman who is struggling in their mind on how to get to the next chapter of their life. How do I get that? How do I get there? How do I get that? You cling to Jesus. You grab hold to his leg, his arm, his cloak, his garment, and you just hold on. That's it. That's faith. That's all you do. You hold on to him while he guides you. You hold on to him while he takes you. You hold on to him while he walks you through troubled water, while he walks you through the darkness of the valley of the shadow of death. You just hold on. Faith is grasping on him and holding on for dear life. I don't see it, but you're going to guide me through it, God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how does David say, I will fear no evil? Because he's clung to Jesus. He's clung to the Savior. He's clung to the Father. Because he has faith and hope and trust in him. With every head bowed and every eye closed. These four friends carry their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Because there are going to be moments in your life where you can't walk, someone has to carry you. And this morning, the Holy Spirit in His grace is wanting to carry some of you right now. He's wanting, there is, there is this mat that God wants to place you on. You've been trying to be strong. You've been trying to hold it together. You've been trying to figure out why this is going on in my life. God said, just lay on the mat, let me carry you. Let me carry you. You've been caring yourself. You've been caring for others. Let me carry you this morning with my grace. Let me carry you. And all, what do I do? You just trust him. Stop having control. If you're in control, you have no faith. You only need faith when someone else or something else is in control of your life. What is it in your life that you've been trying to control? Your health? your finances, your family? What is it that you're trying to control? Your job, your career, money? What are you trying to control? God says, release it this morning. Trust me. Trust me with the tithe. Trust me with your time. Trust me with your treasure. 
Don't you see that I will open up? I will open up the floodgates. I will test me in this. That's why I had $1,000 a month, $800 rent. I could trust God, and he provided everything, every need, everyone to come along beside me because faith is what moves God. You know it takes faith to give your life to the Lord? Trust and belief in him. For some reason, I just believe right now that there are people struggling in surrendering everything to the Lord. That the enemy has just come against you to make you feel like God doesn't want you. God's like, no, I want to carry you. So this morning, I want to speak to that woman, that man who was struggling through the trials and tribulations of life, through the pain and problems that you have seen to be projected to be so loud, God is bigger and God wants it and God wants to take you through it. And you would say, I don't have faith. I've lost my faith. I've abandoned my faith. I've let it go. I've gotten tired. God didn't do it for me, so why should I do it for others? If God doesn't do it for me, I don't care if he does it for others. But God this morning says, trust me one more time. It's what Pastor Chad said earlier. I mean, that was so prophetic. Give me one more chance. Give me one more chance. As now you know what real faith is. And you would say, I want this faith, this unshakable faith through my health. I want this unshakable faith through my pain. I want this unshakable faith through my family. I want to give my life over and surrender to Jesus Christ. This faith that says, you are everything I need you to be with every head bowed and every eye closed. We just slip your hand so I can pray with you. This is me. I want to give my life to Jesus. We just raise your hand. Thank you for that hand. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, church. This is exciting times right here. With every head bowed and every eye closed, but with every voice, can you just repeat after me? Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry, but I surrender to you. You're everything I need you to be in every part of my life. I realize it's not about getting what I want, but you being everything I need. And so God, allow this authentic, genuine, real faith to move you as no matter what season I'm in, no matter what environment I find my life in, I will stand on this solid rock, this firm foundation. I will grip you knowing you have never left me but you have always been there. In your name I pray. Can we give God praise this morning for his grace and for the faith that has been manifested and resurrected in this house. Amen. Amen.